Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I thought we regrouped and did pretty well on defense as the practice went on, which is good. I think, you know, as we saw last year, if you play out of control, that's not good for you. All right, so what Rex is referring to there... We know they had their issues last year with penalties and stuff. It's actually more, I think, what he's talking about there was there was a short yardage session yesterday they did. Offense, defense, 11 on 11, short yardage. And the offense initially just ate the defense's lunch. I mean, the offense overwhelmed the defense in the first three plays. Two of them went for big yards, maybe even one for a touchdown. The very first play... Actually, what happened was, before they even snapped the ball, there was a false start penalty called in the offense. Could have been called in the defense for neutral zone. Either way, or there was a, a pre-snap penalty. Then, right after that, they, they actually did snap the ball. And Mike Gillisley, on a third and two, is how they set it up. They did short yardage. It was about a third and two, maybe a third and one. I mean, he busted through the line and just took off and may have scored a touchdown. But either way, it was about a 40-yard gain before someone got to him. On the next play, there was another handoff. I think there was a fullback involved, maybe a fullback lead or something. And it was a good seven, eight-yard game, maybe even up to ten yards when it was all said and done. Not a good start for the D. Then on third, the third play, there's a tight end running free, wide open, between the hash and the sidelines. On a crossing route or a deep out. He came from the other side of the field. And Tyrod hit him. Might have been Blake Annan, I think. That's who it was. But didn't catch the the number on that. I think it was Blake Annan. So that was three plays in a row where the offense just whipped the defense on short yardage. On the fourth play, the defense got in the backfield, made a nice stop, a nice play, and then there was John going on. And there was... They were excited and all of a sudden starts a little bit of a skirmish because of it. I couldn't tell the way. Real punches thrown, more pushing and shoving, guys grabbing, more guys come in. Stuff you see in training camp happen, you know, I guess often every training camp is going to happen in, in every single team. But we haven't seen really any of that this year here. Now, they've only been in pads for a few days. But two things. Number one, I saw all that intensity in OTAs and minicamp. I've not seen that intensity out here until that play. That's the first time I've seen it. And then after that, it really ratcheted up. Somebody, I think it might have been uh, might have been Jarrell Worthy, uh, who was jawing at someone coming off the field. I, I couldn't tell for sure. Again, I was trying to look, and there was there was some barking going back and forth. And after that, the defense started to play better. I think they need that. They need to play on the edge. They need to play in a mean way. But what Rex is saying is you got to play under control. Because what I've seen from this defense so far is, out here, the communication is a lot better. The, you know, knowing where they're supposed to be, alignments, things like that, being ready at the snap of the ball is a lot better. But there are lapses at times 
where there's just a guy running free. And, you know, you want to make sure that you have everything right. And you want to play on the edge. You want to play aggressive. But you got to play under control. you got to know your st- your assignments and things like that. So, you know, I, I think it's progress from where the defense was last year with all that. Of course, if they lose Reggie Ragland, uh, that will be a, a very big blow. Once again, if you're just joining us, my name is Sal Capaccio. It is... Buffalo Bills 2016 training camp coverage here at St. John Fisher College in Rochester. I'm live in our WGR tent ahead of tonight's scrimmage. We'll have a scrimmage on the field tonight. Uh, the team will have 11 on 11, and you got to have a ticket to get in here tonight. Tickets were free. They were distributed at various locations throughout western uh, New York. So make sure if you, you don't have one, try and contact maybe a friend of yours who got it or something like that, and you might be able to, to get out here and get in. But tonight uh, it's going to be our first chance to really see some of these position battles. And one of the position battles I'm looking forward to, and I know a lot of you are, is what's going on at running back. We know LaShawn McCoy is the bell cow. Rex even said that the other day himself. He called him the bell cow. LaShawn's going to carry the ball more than anybody. We know that. Behind him, I thought they were pretty good already. With Mike Gillisley, James Wilder Jr., Jonathan Williams... Boom Heron, but they got even more talent-infused, I guess you'd say, when they signed Reggie Bush. Now, Reggie's obviously coming aboard as simply a return man. I should say he's coming aboard mainly as a return man, but he's going to be a part of this offense, and he has been. Since he's been here, he has been a guy that they put in the backfield and given the ball to. Now, he ran with the – he rotated in with some of the uh, first-team guys uh, the first day here, and then the second day, I believe he was more on the uh, second team, and there were some guys getting ahead of him and getting some reps. He hasn't been here a lot. He doesn't know the playbook completely. I know a lot of the terminology and systems can be the same in this league, especially, you know, he said West Coast is West Coast. He said that after his first practice. A lot of the terminology does cross over, but, you know, you just have to get used to some new things and uh, what Greg Roman is doing. So I'm sure there's a, a learning curve for him. Right now he is the number one return man as far as punt returns. But at the running back spot behind Shady McCoy, I, I think Reggie Bush makes this team. I, I do because I think he's good enough, explosive enough, and knows the system. And no, I should say is the type of back that fits in this system well enough that they're wanting to ha- they're going to want to have him. And if he does make the team, he could very well be the number two back. It's, you know, it's kind of like all or nothing with Reggie. You don't sign a guy like that to kind of be just there on the roster. You sign a guy like that to contribute. And he's going to contribute in the return game, and I think he very well could contribute in the running game. They're going to use him maybe as a third down receiver, you know, as a back on third downs, split him out. Maybe you put him in the backfield with LaShawn McCoy once in a while. A lot was made of that, by the way, the first time when Rex said it, when he said it, you know, when uh, – uh, there was talk, oh, you know, we told Shady he, he would have uh, Reggie in the backfield with him. And Reggie said, I'll be in the backfield. I think too much was made of that. And all of a sudden, people started to think of some new offense the Bills are running this year comparatively or inventing. It's not. What are we talking? Maybe three or four plays a game where you put that situation out there. That's probably what you're talking about. Put them both in the backfield on a third and short. Let's see where the linebacker goes. The fast linebacker, the good coverage linebacker. Who's he got? Boom, I'm going to the other guy. Maybe that's how you do it. Then you got Mike Gillisley, who I thought really had number two jobs cemented while Carlos Williams was out. I didn't mention Carlos because we know he's suspended for four weeks, but we'll get to that. Then you have uh, Gillisley to me, who, as I've been saying since OTAs and minicamp, he might not fit every offense, but he fits this offense. And what he can do, and we saw him running for some long runs last year, touchdown runs. At the end of the year, he looked good in a Bills uniform and in this offense. And I think he's that kind of guy 
that can really do that here for this team this year as far as fit in for what you need for what Greg Roman wants. I thought he had that job cemented as number two. Then they signed Reggie Bush. You don't know. But until Carlos Williams comes back, I still think it's Gillisley's job for Bush to try and take over. Then behind him, you have a guy that's a fan favorite, James Wilder Jr. Here's a guy who's really big. He's strong. He's a one-cut runner. Runs downhill. Really like his game. I don't know if there's a spot for him. At least, maybe not, especially after Carlos comes back. We'll see about that. And as I said several times, you know, you don't have to make a decision on Carlos. Carlos Williams is going to be a guy that you have a roster exemption for for four weeks in the regular season. It's foolish to make any move on him. The only way that Carlos Williams doesn't survive the 53 and is out before that, the only way is if he really goes sideways and this organization says, well, we just wash our hands, we can't have this, he's not, not, not getting with the program the way we want. That could, that could happen. I don't see it, though, because it's foolish to... Uh, release somebody who doesn't even count on your roster, who was as good as he was last year, and still very well could be your best running back behind LaShawn McCoy. So, then you have Boom Heron. I think he's the odd man out right now as far as running backs. But, you know what? He's been getting some run. He'll have his chances. He was here last year for a cup of coffee. He knows the system. It's going to be an interesting battle tonight. I think James Wilder Jr. is going to get a lot of carries. Oh, I forgot Jonathan Williams. He's the other one. He's the young man who had the DWI in Arkansas. He gets some days where he gets uh, some second team carries. And then other days he's just over there waiting his turn. And he might be fifth down the list. So maybe that's the kind of guy that you just have to see him, what he does in the preseason. Goes out there. Could he be a practice squad candidate? Sure. Absolutely, but it's always a risk with guys like that because you have to expose them once the, to you know waivers essentially to being cut, and then they could get picked up, and then you can't put him on your practice squad because he's on someone else's roster. So there's a lot of different ways this could go. We'll see. Eight oh three oh five fifty eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Uh, Sal Capaccio here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Yep, broadcasting live here until 2 p.m. We're going to hear from Rex Ryan at 1230 yesterday's comments. And about, you know, what he said about uh, the injury to Reggie Raglan. The battles going on at certain positions. So, tonight we'll see, I think, some separation maybe from that running back spot. Well, no. And, I, I, again, I wouldn't read much into How much are we going to see from Shady McCoy, though, tonight? Probably not a ton. How much are we going to see in every preseason game? Probably not a ton. And then the wide receiver spot comes into play, too, with, you know, getting the rotation, trying to figure that out. It's all, it's all part and parcel. It's all tonight where you start to see that. I, I would not read anything. Don't come away from tonight thinking that one guy is, oh, my gosh, he's the guy... He's the guy that's going to be the guy going in, uh, number two, number three. He's the guy that's losing his job. I think you can get clues from tonight. This, tonight's about clues. That's what it is. It's scrimmage. It's clues. And tonight's the kind of night you can kind of maybe just see where coaches see guys fitting in or at least who's battling for those spots. I think that's what you see out of this. But I don't want, I, I, you know, you want to run through all these guys. Tonight you could see Jonathan Williams get, you know, not many carries. And then all of a sudden, the first preseason game, that's when they give him more carries, next Saturday. Speaking of the first preseason game, 
tomorrow is the Hall of Fame game. Which means, Nate, as of tomorrow night, as of tomorrow night, we will have football every single weekend through the Super Bowl. It's the best news I've heard all day. It's pretty cool, it's still right? early, but yeah, that's great news. How many of these Hall of Fame guys did you really watch or know about in their career, Nate? Okay, definitely. All right, so let's, let's go. Let's let's go through these. All right, hold on. Let me let me get the 2016 class. All right, because I got it here somewhere. Um, but class of 2016. Let me just pull it up here so I can do all this. All right. So how many of these guys have you actually heard of? I should say not heard of. Have you actually watched through their NFL careers? Orlando Pace. Okay. I remember him pretty well. Uh, Marvin Harrison. Obviously, Brett Favre was like my favorite quarterback growing up. Mm-hmm. And that's... What about while well, you Dungy. watched Tony, Tony Dungy? Dungy. He, you watched him coach. I did. You, do you know Tony Dungy was a good player? And Did he play for Tampa Bay? No. no. He coached Tampa. He played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. No. Nothing there. And then I know you watched Ken Orlando Stabler. Pace. You did not watch Ken Stabler. Right? I didn't I know, even watch I didn't Ken watch Stabler. I know about him from that commercial on NFL Network a few years ago. Yes. With the JP Lossman. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken Stabler. Okay. Do you know what Ken? St- let me let me give you some quizzes on some of these guys. All right. All right. Let's do this. Okay. So you know, um, you know about Brett Favre. Where did Brett Favre begin his NFL career, Nate? The Atlanta Falcons. Very nice. Nicely done. Good job. Good job. Very nice. Um, who was Dick Stanfell's teammate? Who is introducing him tonight? I don't even know. I shouldn't say his teammate. His friend. Oh, He's it, introducing him tonight. Is it? I'm going to say Dick Buckets. No, it's Marv Levy. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, I know. That's the only thing I know about Dick Stanfield. Marv Levy's introduced him. So that's why I went there. All right. So here we go. Ken Stabler. Let me ask you. What, what is he known for in NFL rules circles? Do you know this? Yeah. Think about it. There was, a, there was something that happened in a game. Now, by the way, I'm not trying to make fun of Nate. He's young. He doesn't know. There are people out there going, I have no idea. And there are some who are going, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's something that happened in the NFL in a game that Ken Stabler is tied to that caused a rule change in football. It's still to this day a big deal. I was thinking, like, is this pre-Brady Tucker rule? Oh, yeah. Oh, he played in the 70s. So we're talking, like, is this 70s Tucker rule? No, it's kind of... It's kind of similar, I mean, in a way, like something the quarterback can or can't do, but it's every player now. Is it sliding? No, it is called the Holy Roller. Do you know what the Holy Roller is? Nothing. Okay, against the San Diego Chargers, also, by the way, called the Immaculate Deception, but it's really the Holy Roller. It was, I'll read it from Wikipedia. The controversial game-winning play by the Raiders against San Diego in, in 1978, by the way, all right, it was ruled a forward fumble that was recovered by tight end Dave Casper in the end zone. Now... What happened was, all right, Ken Stabler had the ball, took the snap. He was going to get sacked. Instead of being sacked, he fumbled the ball forward, Nate. It rolled toward the Chargers goal line, all right? That looked to be recovered there, but the ball kept going around, and then Casper jumped on it. You cannot do that now in the NFL. What is the rule now in the NFL about fumbling forward? It's if it's fourth ball, right? down, th- th- if it's fourth down, the same guy has to recover it. If it's inside two minutes, I believe also the same guy has to recover it. It prevents a player from doing exactly what Ken Stabler did, which is I'm getting sacked. I'm just going to throw a bowling ball into the end zone and hope one of my guys recovers it. Yeah, that's uh, that's ballsy to do. 
But he did it. D- did it work, though? Yes. Oh, wow. That's why they changed it. They won 21-20. to 20. Oh, wow. They won by a point? Yes. Oh, if I was the other team. They were down 20-14. to 14, And... It was. I, it had to be. Took the snap. I, I had to. Be, I had to be fourth down. I don't know for sure. I'm looking up that to make sure. But basically, in response to that, the league passed new rules restricting fumble recovery by the offense. If a player fumbles after the two-minute warning in a half or on fourth down at any point during the game, only that player can recover. That's why you have that rule now because of Ken Stabler. Because he was smart. I've learned something today. Now, what do you know about Ed DeBartolo Jr.? I didn't. Apparently, I said his name wrong in my update, so... That's okay. You're I'm allowed already, to. You didn't know. Uh, no, I know almost nothing. Was he the shorter gentleman, like the one that's... The yes. Short, okay, so is he a coach? He was an owner. He was an owner. Oh, wow. Of the San Francisco 49ers. And really, like, did some, you know, great things. He's also, by the way, a... I think is that is that his company, the real estate developer? Like they do malls and stuff. I think so. So he's going in on the uh, contributor category. Kevin Green. You know anything about him? Nothing about him. He he was the only one I was just like. Very... I was not on board necessarily with Kevin Green making the Hall of Fame, but he has some really good numbers that when you really dig into it, I understand. He was a guy that played for the L.A. Rams back when they were the L.A. Rams originally, and played for. The Pittsburgh Steelers and did a great job. The Steelers were really good making championship games and playoffs a lot. Uh, you know, in the when Bill Cowher first took over, he was part of a defense that was just nasty, and he had all these sacks and things like that. So that that's who that is. And Marvin Harrison, you know who he is, obviously. I How much of what Marvin Harrison him. did you watch? Um, this would probably now I didn't watch him in college, which I know you would have. Uh, I did. He went to Syracuse. He did. So I know you would have watched him a lot in college. I watched him, I would say, more towards the tail end of his career, but I would say probably right at the beginning, middle portion of his prime and on when Peyton and him really were just lighting it up every year. So let me tell you, Marvin Harrison, So I was at Syracuse same time he was. All right, I got to watch him, obviously. I loved him. I wanted the Bills to draft him because the Bills needed a wide receiver that year. It turns out, Nate, all right, the, that year, 1996, may have been the greatest wide receiver draft in NFL history. Marvin Harrison was taken third over. Thir- I'm sorry, third. I'm, let me start over. Marvin Harrison was taken as the fourth wide receiver in that draft. All right, now obviously guys can be taken tenth, and so turned out to be great. The number one pick in that draft was Keyshawn Johnson, went to the Jets. Oh yeah. Then, then at number seven overall, Terry Glenn. Went to the Patriots, who was a pretty good player. Yes, he was. The one that was okay but shouldn't have been taken where he was in the end, Eddie Kennison went to the Rams at number 18 overall. The Bills had the 24th overall pick. I thought the Bills were going to get Marvin Harrison, Nate. I'm like, all right, the Bills, we got to just get to 24. The Bills are going to get Marvin Harrison. The Colts jump in at 19. Some people did not, people didn't really think they'd take a wide receiver. They take Harrison. But who do the Bills get at 24, do you know? Eric Moulds. That's right. But you want to know what? I, even though I, I think Eric Moulds had a great career with the Bills. But you still have Marvin Harrison. Well, two, of picks, course. two picks later, Ray Lewis. Was. Was who? Ray Lewis. There you go. Two picks there later. There you go. Very, very good call. Very good call. Here's the wide receivers of 1996. Amazing. I think this, is, this could be the greatest wide receiver class ever when, it's, when you look at it. Keyshawn Johnson, Terry Glenn, Eddie Kennison, Marvin Harrison, Eric Moulds. Then you had Alex Van Dyke. Amani Toomer, Brian Still, Mushin Muhammad, Bobby Ingram, Derek Mays, Terrell Owens, 
in the third round. Joe Horn in the fifth round. Uh, Jermaine Lewis is on this list. This is a pretty good, uh, pretty good group, huh? I like it's, that. It's definitely one of the better ones, and and even like Eric Moles, I feel like he's very oh, underappreciated ve- in his career he, in Buffalo because of you know they didn't win the team, necessarily, right. and he still holds the playoff receiving record uh, yards in a playoff game over two forty. He did it in Miami in the playoffs in ninety eight. Amazing. Okay, so what we're gonna do next? We're gonna take a timeout. When we come back, we will have sound from yesterday. Rex Ryan's press conference meeting the media, and. He'll talk about Reggie's injury then. He'll give us a little update about what's going to happen tonight. You'll hear that. But we'll do that when we take a timeout here on WGR and when we come back. And then going to have uh, Andy Young from Time Warner Cable News on the sports side joining me here at 1 o'clock or so. He'll be around when he gets here. We'll talk about the uh, team with him. We'll take your phone calls. Get your, get your phone, phone calls, your thoughts, your questions lined up if you want. 803-0550-888-550-2550. Sal Capaccio here on WGR. And before I head to this break, I do want to remind everybody that all of our coverage uh, here on WGR is... Uh, wait, where did I, I lost my I lost my script on this. I think I have to find this again. Think we can find it? You got it with you right there? I've got it. I want it. to tell everybody you, all of our should, great spots. You well, want to read it? I will, yeah. I'll tell you what Go the ahead. Tell us who it's brought to you by. Then you send us the break, and then we'll have Rex Ryan. Beautiful. Well, coverage of Bill's training camp on WGR is presented by Duville College, who's educating for life, and by MT Bank, the official bank of the Buffalo Bills, and brought to you in part by New York's only outlet liquor. When it's time to stock up, you'll save every day at Outlet Liquor and by Consumer Beverage, Buffalo's Beer Store. All right. Well, you just heard Nate give you an update, too. And we're dealing with the Reggie Ragland stuff here. We're trying to keep you updated if we get anything we don't, other than what we heard this morning that Ian Rappaport reported, which is an inconclusive MRI that could be looked at as positive or negative. You could be pessimistic, optimistic, lots of different ways to look at that. Sometimes in those situations, because there's too much swelling, you got to wait for the swelling to go down. And that doesn't mean anything good or bad. You could have swelling no matter whether it's a uh, tear and ligaments and or not. So uh, that's what's going on there. But you just heard Nate in the update giving an update to the Eric Ebron, the tight end from the Detroit Lions, apparently carted off the field not too long ago at their training camp practice with what appears to be a right lower leg injury. And some of the reports I'm reading does not they doesn't sound good. But again, you can't jump to conclusions. Got to wait. I've seen injuries and we've read injuries and seen injuries where looks really bad and then. It's not, or it doesn't look that bad, and it is. And let's hope that's not the case there with Reggie Ragland, where he walked off in his own power, didn't really have any uh, pain or discomfort, it seemed like, or limping. You hope that that's the case, that it's not uh, that bad. But you know, yeah, I, my love-hate relationship with this time of year is a daily struggle. It really is. I love this time of year, and yet I hate it. Because you, got, you, you love football, it's back, it's there, you gotta, you got to practice, you got to get ready. Man, these guys, they go down, whether it's contact, non-contact. You can say, well, they shouldn't hit each other. Well, there's a lot of non-contact injuries. And sometimes it's just contact guys bumping each other. What are you supposed to do? Yesterday, Rex Ryan met the media after the team practiced in the morning. He talked about what we're going to see tonight. And he gave an update on Reggie Raglan at the time. We know since then what we've told you with the MRI and the inconclusive results. But you can hear what he said about his vantage point of what he knew about Reggie Ragland after practice, but other players and things that he's seen so far at camp, and then again, setting up what you're going to see tonight if you're coming out to the scrimmage. Here's Rex Ryan at the podium yesterday. Obviously, uh, goal line today had the uh, scrimmage short yardage goal line. 
And we always say the only way to, to uh, practice it is to, is to go full speed, except the quarterbacks aren't supposed to be alive. We've got to tell EJ that. But um, either way, I thought it was, it was good. It was good tempo. You know, some real, I thought our offense really dominated the short yardage uh, portion of it. And then um, defense kind of got back at it in, in the goal line and, and uh, in the body of practice. But uh, it was, you know, some, some good sparring back and forth. I thought, you know, obviously Tyrod made a couple of great plays today. So he continues to get better and better. So that's exciting to see. And uh, on the injury front, uh, Dre, the tight end, has an ankle. Uh, we'll check on the uh, severity of it right now, but it looks like obviously it kept him out of the rest of practice, so we'll see how that is. Uh, and then um, Reggie went off. Uh, it's a knee. I'm not sure, you know, the uh, the extent of that injury, uh, but we'll obviously, um, you know, we'd be very concerned with that injury. But I, it's hopefully right now it doesn't appear to be, um, you know, with the ligaments involved. So. We just keep our fingers crossed there, and then we had um, uh, Worthy went out, and that was more of a just a precautionary, you know, for concussion, that protocol, and he was actually able to come back and continue practice. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. Any questions? Well, I'd, I'd rather not, you know, think about it. But we're we're in the capable hands. We have a couple of pretty good uh, inside backers, guys that are. Are doing well right now, uh, Zach Brown uh, and uh, Randell Johnson. So, you know, one one guy would have to step up. So you're pretty confident it's not an ACL. Well, yeah, I'm no doctor, but that seemed like that's what they're saying. That you know, hopefully it's it's not ligaments. Yeah, it, just on a sweet play, he went back in and it almost looked like he. I don't know if he hyperextended it. Well, I, you know, I'm not sure, but it just looked odd. It, it wasn't hit, you know, none of that stuff. So, but sometimes those can be the worst ones. So I'm hoping we just got to keep our fingers crossed and, and hope he's uh, he's fine. The wide receiver battle. So many guys behind. Well, I think that helps. I don't think there's any doubt that the more work you can do, and you know that's a smart thing to do. You got the, you know who the starting quarterback is, and try to hit your wagon to it. So uh, that way he has confidence in you. Uh, so I think that's a pretty good move. How close is Jordan Mills to you know locking down that right tackle job? He's doing a good job. He keeps competing, but you know, as you said, we haven't even gone through a preseason game or anything yet. But. Uh, I think he's doing a, a nice job for us. Along the same lines as Dan Carpenter, cemented his job as the field goal kicker. He's made 21 in a row. Well, that's pretty good. I, I'm just not going to say a word because let, let him keep rolling. <laughs> Jordan Gay commanded it in that battle. I know he kicks on Tuesday night, but is he seriously a field goal candidate right now? Yeah, he's candidate. I mean, that's why he's here. I mean, he's, he, uh, he's got that great leg, obviously, for kickoffs. and. And, um, you know, he's working to be more accurate as field goal kicker. Would you prefer to not carry the kickoff specialist this year? Well, I think you, you prefer to do that. But I think we've, when you look at it statistically, I, I'm not sure on this one. But I think I think the Bills have been right at, we've been right at the top the last two seasons uh, in our kick coverage. So, you know, a lot of that can be attributed to Jordan. How much does that change with the new rule, you know, going to 
That's something to consider. Hey Rex, how, how quick were you in the offseason to get out and make sure he got here? Uh, well, you know, first off, I, I think, you know, we felt pretty good about what we had. But, you know, we, we noticed that he was still out there. So he was definitely on that short list. But sometimes you got to be patient. Uh, you don't know what uh, what a guy's going um, to get on the open market and things. But when it was clear that he was going to be in our price range, then we, then we did jump on him. And you you've said it. I mean, you like having guys you're familiar with. And he's also a versatile guy. Just to expound on that a little bit. Well, no, he is. He's a smart guy. He can play left, right, inside, outside. He can do all that stuff. We put him as a defensive end on the goal line. Does a great job there as well. Uh, so he's a guy that does well in rotations. A veteran player. Uh, he's smart, crafty, and you know he's got um, you know he's got some talent. Uh, I think last year he started you know over some uh, higher picks uh, that were there. So uh, you know he, he does a nice job. You made the decision to go live today. What did you take away from you know first live contact? I liked I liked how physical we were on both sides of the ball, and I liked uh, you know I, I I liked the energy and the enthusiasm that both sides had, and the, the good part is that as I mentioned, I think our offense clearly won the short yardage portion of it, and then the defense is all hyped. They're all you know trying to get back at the offense, or whatever. But you got to do it. You know, uh, smart, and I thought we regrouped and, and uh, did pretty well on defense as the practice went on, which is good. I think, you know, as we saw last year, if you play out of control, that's not good for you. And I think our guys, you know, actually dialed it in and and uh, and did a nice job for the rest of practice. Perhaps later this week for Marcel with uh, tomorrow. Yeah, on, and this is the, you know, I shouldn't have spoke. <laughs> Imagine that, uh, but it looks more like Monday. For his return. Hey Rex, have you laid out um, the, the reps for tomorrow night's scrimmage? I mean, what can we expect from your starters and that type of thing? Yeah, it's going to be very similar to last year. Um, so you guys will have the stats on that. I, you know, that way the way we laid it out. But the only difference is we're we're going to add a two-minute period for uh, all three groups. So first, second, and third will also have a, a two-minute um, to go along with how we uh, practiced last year. So. You guys have the reps. The only difference is we won't say, okay, this time Tyrod's going with the one quarterback or EJ's going with the ones. We, we kind of know who our one guy is. Rex, a little bit of scuffle there during practice. I, the coaches vary on you know whether or not they, they don't mind seeing that a little bit or whether they, they, they don't want that to see that at all. Where do you stand on that? Are you a guy that's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm doing that. Well, I think you're okay with it, but, you know, I mean, that's those things happen, but uh, what they got to understand is, by the way, you're going to get the exact same reps. So it's not like that time you're cutting into that, and it's hot, and there's no sense doing it. You know, what I mean. So, but I really don't want to see our guys fight. But I understand sometimes it's the heat of the battle. Something, you know, little things happen like that. You just don't want it to, you know, escalate into a, a bigger thing than it is. Uh, how important is tomorrow's scrimmage to kind of evaluate certain positions? I think it's big. You know, I, I we treat it like a preseason game. You know, so in fact, our ones practice more in this game or scrimmage more than they do probably in the first preseason game. So it's a good. Uh, uh, I, I think it's the first shot. You know, of, of really evaluating guys on on in live situations. So uh, as a coach, you're really excited about that for sure. How much do you hold 
back though, because I remember after last year's tournament, you said there might be scouts in the stands and you're afraid of that. What kind of watching what you're doing? Do you have to pull back? Yeah, we're just going to, we're going to play some base football. I mean, you're not going to just, you know, you get, you don't necessarily open up the playbook, uh, if you will. So, uh, but, you know, the idea is to watch guys compete and to see, you know, who steps up and, and who uh, raises their level. That's more of a, you know, a question for the medical staff, I think. Uh, you know, it's, he's working extremely hard and, and uh, when we get the okay to, to let him go, then, then that's exactly what we'll do. Is there a possibility that he will be active when the season starts, or is there, do you have any idea? I, I really don't have any idea right now. progress from Cardale so far? Yeah, oh yeah, I've been very impressed with him. Uh, obviously, we know he's got the tools that you look for, but um, he's doing a great job. I think he studies extremely well, you know, and, and uh, he's got a pretty good, good grasp of what he's doing out there and uh, you know and it's not like we hold back a whole lot on him you know the defense is running everything known to man against him so I think it's good to see uh, he's he's got that confidence about him and he, and he could throw it man there's no question about that been very impressed with him you know I've had I've had the officials just gluing all over him they say study our nickel, make sure he's not holding, you know, all that. I don't think he's gotten a penalty yet, all camp. Uh, and so that's something, because I want him to understand, you don't have to grab anybody. He's got quickness, he's got all that, and uh, I think he's doing a good job. With, with Sean Trell, are, are there still any long-term concerns, or do you think eventually at some point with what he's dealing with, he'll be able to come back and really play? I really don't know how to answer that. You know, I think it's more... You know, obviously you're concerned for the young man anytime you have a medical situation, but um, to say, you know, it could it be long-term or whatever, I, I want to be qualified to, to answer that. It seemed like going live Last one, guys. It seemed like going live contact really upped the intensity with the players and a lot more communication. How do you carry that on to tomorrow night's scrimmage and then the practices next week? I think, it's, I think they're all looking forward to scrimmaging. Um, tomorrow, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And we always have a great crowd here, so that, that'll be good. And then uh, as far as next week, you know, it'll be business as usual. And uh, and then we'll, you know, kick it off for, for real, if you will, in the preseason game against the Colts. That is Rex Ryan from yesterday's podium. After practice, he touched on Reggie Ragland, what he saw. Once again, you can read the report that Nate has posted at WGR550.com. It came from Ian Rappaport earlier today. Uh, results of the first initial MRI inconclusive. He'll see more doctors and get a second opinion and try to figure out and get some clarity on that as they go forward here this weekend and maybe even into Monday. Rex talking about Chantrell Henderson and his situation, and he has not been on the field yet. Nobody knows if he's going to be able to play. It doesn't look good for him right now as far as getting back from what you see out there, what you hear, but you know, you hope that he can get back to where he feels comfortable medically and they can you know manage the situation because I think he can help this team on the right side. Right now, Jordan Mills is your starting right tackle, and there's some depth concerns for sure over on that side, even with Cyrus Quanjo, who has, to this point, really not performed the way I think a lot of people really hoped in his NFL career. Uh, we'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll set things up again for you here tonight, including a weather report if you're coming out here today 
tonight, I should say, for the scrimmage. It starts at 6.30. I'll give you a little weather report, what I'm seeing right now, and what I hear and see on the radar for tonight for the Bills scrimmage at St. John Fisher. Put into this game that you're going to get out of it. Me and Ty have you know, been fortunate where we've been in the same location, and we've been able to just get some extra work and get on the same page. He knows where I'm going to be. You know, I know where he's going to put the ball in certain situations against you know, press or off coverage. And we're just trying to get better. Greg Little, who's squarely in the mix here at the wide receiver position. The Bills do not have a lot of depth behind, you know, Sammy Watkins at number one. And right now he's not out there. Robert Woods is having a nice camp, though. He'll be your number two guy. He'll be the number one while Watkins is out. Hopefully Watkins returns on Monday. That was the report earlier this week, so we'll see if that happens. Hopefully Sammy Watkins can get out there Monday. But, I, I mean, for a team that is that runs more than any team in the league comparatively, run versus pass, you know, you you got to think, you know, how much, how many targets really does the third or fourth option in this offense get? So it's not a make-or-break position to me on this team, but it's interesting and still got a position you need to have somebody that can be reliable. And Greg Little, you just heard him there, he is in the mix right there. 803-0550-888-550-2550. I'm Sal Capaccio out here at Buffalo Bills training camp at St. John Fisher. The Bills have a scrimmage tonight. Again, you got to have a ticket to get in and, Tickets were free. They were distributed throughout locations in western New York. And if you have one, get here. 6.30 is when they get on the field. It'll go to 8 till 8.30. You'll see um, more two-minute stuff from each of the units that's out there, according to Rex Ryan. But as opposed to last year, we're not talking about quarterback battles. It's Tyrod Taylor. That's it. There's no. There's not even a battle for the backup spot. It's E.J. Manuel. That's it. And Cardell Jones is the number three. That's how it's going to be this year. E.J. Uh, Tyrod's your one, EJ's your two, Cardale's your three, and Cardale will not be active in any games unless there's an injury. That's it. We can we know that. That's the way it's going to work. Rex doesn't activate three quarterbacks on game day. Some teams do. He does not. He'll activate two. He'll make Cardale inactive. So if you want to judge between Cardale and EJ, go right ahead, but it won't matter. EJ's your number two quarterback going into the season. The only way that Cardale ever becomes number two is A, through injury to one of the top two, or B, sometime later down the road in the season, he's really really impressive and progressing in practice, and they decide to activate him. And Tyrod's your number one. And a couple of days ago, uh, someone on Twitter, at Sal Sports, tweeted me that I'm not giving enough Tyrod Taylor updates, which is fine. I can take that criticism. If you want more, I'll give you more. But here's my thought on that. I'm more focused on other positions this camp because I just think that they are more important right now storylines and how Tyrod plays in camp because there's no competition. It doesn't matter if I tell you Tyrod looks like Joe Montana or Tyrod looks like, I don't know, the worst quarterback in the league. It doesn't really matter. You, it, all it would do is make you feel one way or the other because he's not losing his spot. It's not truly that important. Now, once he starts playing in regular season games, once that comes around, of course it's important, especially with the contract situation. That's also important as far as a storyline. But to me... And I'll give you more if you want, but, I mean, I'm not the guy that's going to tell you he went 7 of 11 through, you know, whatever passing drill. I can tell you he's looked good or bad, and I'll tell you right now, he's looked pretty much average throughout camp, but he's looked better the last couple of days. I think he was working on things the first few days, working on trying to get on the same page with his receivers, working on staying in the pocket, keeping eyes downfield, knowing he can't get hit. And it's always tough to judge. Did not look great first few days. Didn't look horrible. Looked average. I think the last part of this week, he stepped it up. He's looked a lot better, especially in the red zone. I just don't see the need right now with the, the numerous positional storylines and things that we need to worry about, who's starting where and the depth on this roster 
personally don't think that we should be focusing, and I don't want to focus on how many passes Tyrod's completing or how he looks because it doesn't truly matter in camp. He's not losing his position, period. That's, that's where that's coming from. So for any of you who are wondering how he's looking or why that hasn't been out there as much, there's the double answer to those two questions. 803-0550 if you want to jump on board. Andy Young of Time Warner Cable News. He'll be along here in a little while. He covers the bills on the sports side of things. Uh, we'll have a chat. And I'm going to um, go through with Andy to the future Hall of Famers. After tomorrow, who's on the ballot next year? Because i got to be honest. I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, eh, there's one guy that, well, one guy stands out and like, yeah, he's in. And then you're like, eh, it's kind of a bunch of, yeah, I don't know, it's pretty underwhelming, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe we can figure out who's going in next year. We'll have that discussion, too, when we come back here at St. John Fisher Live on WGR Sports Radio 550. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.